Welcome into the Off the Post podcast. I'm Nick DeLeo with my co-host Lucas Tashi. Today, we're getting ready for the World Cup. We already had our World Cup preview episode a few weeks ago. If you haven't seen that, go check that out. But we're going to be talking about some more up-to-date news regarding the World Cup, some injuries, the stuff that's going around in Qatar and what they're doing. So we got a lot of stuff tuned in for. We hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, Lucas. So I think we should start with whatever's going on in Qatar. Uh, I read a little bit earlier this week, and they have video footage of a news reporter from Denmark who is just uh, giving his news, had a permit, and he got stopped by the officials there. And on camera, they threatened to destroy all of his equipment, despite the fact that he had everything that he needed to be broadcasting there and to be showing the news. This is a country that's going to have millions of people kind of following through. Uh, and there's going to be reporters. There's going to be people that are going to be in Qatar that people who are Qatari are not going to be accustomed to. And this is something that we've always had concerns about. This is something that we spoke about even two, three years ago before we were even recording this podcast on how this was a terrible idea because of the differences in customs and cultures and the fact that there's going to be a lot of clashing. So I know you have a lot to say about this issue. What do you think about what's going on over there? What are some other stuff that you've heard about that you want to bring to light on this podcast that other people listening should know about? Dude, uh, it's something new every day. Like, leading up to the World Cup, there's literally been some new reports every single day that have come out and have been negative towards Qatar or have been negative about the situation in Qatar. Starting a few weeks ago, there was a post that was circulated of the sleeping situations for fans who want to go visit Qatar and watch the games. Then it goes on to say that one of the only sports bars that Qatar has is selling a ticket for $350 or no, $240. Apologies. That ticket gets you three beers and you're able to watch the game. You're spending $70 on three beers. Like, and it's one of the only sports bars. And now speaking of beer going on to today, it's official that Qatar is not letting any beer to be consumed or sold in the stadiums or near the stadiums. Like, it's what's crazy about that is that Budweiser is one of the main sponsors of the FIFA World Cup. And it's going to be a lawsuit for FIFA and Budweiser. But Budweiser's not going to spend all that money just to not get any promotion in the World Cup. That's ridiculous. But, no, I- dude. Just go on and on about it. I agree with you. And I just want to read the statement that they had on the New York Times. The ban on alcohol consumption appeared to only apply to fans at stadiums. Beer and other drinks, including an official FIFA champagne and an array of sommelier selected wines, will still be available in luxury suites reserved for FIFA officials and other wealthy wealthy guests. So, I mean, this should be even more annoying, infuriating debilitating for fans people are spending a lot of money to go to this country and a lot of people can only afford to go to the world cup now 
They may not be able to go to the World Cup later. They definitely probably were not likely able to go to the World Cup before in 2018 or 2014, right? Me and you, we're just we're just working full-time jobs. We've only been working for really three, four years. You know, if anything, this would have been the first opportunity that we would have to potentially go to a World Cup given, you know, the incomes that we're both making. So for that to be someone's first experience, potentially having all this stuff banned, not being able to do certain things, having to look over your shoulder because of the officials. I mean, it's going to end up being chaos, and I wouldn't be surprised if the crime rate shoots up, right? Because yeah. I don't, I don't think these officials and the police there understand how much people are going to lose their minds and how much people are going to protest, and also, you know, the fact that these people spent all their money and are not going to get any value out of it essentially so i think i think a lot of it is really bad and also there's not going to be a lot of officials that are going to be able to regulate everything there in qatar right so if if alcohol consumption is illegal well you know i'm i'm from england or spain or france or the u.s and i come to qatar and i have beer at the stadium and a lot of us have beer at the stadium what are they going to do people are going to release videos of of these people getting gassed who are fans who pay money to go there to watch these games. And I just think that FIFA really set themselves up for a really, really bad situation here by even bending to what these people wanted to do. And I'm sure they're getting a lot of money for it. But at the same time, they're also going to lose a lot of money. They're going to have a lot of public relation issues. And then a lot of people are going to be turned off and probably will never ever forget that this happened at the world cup in qatar yeah i mean there's a million things from uh, an outsider's perspective that they did wrong uh but speaking of the actual football itself because we can talk about on and on about everything that is wrong on the outside let's say the housing the beer consumption uh the experience that these fans are going to have or the lack of experience the fact that qatar is paying uh pakistani people to pretend to be fans of specific nations i saw a clip running around that uh there are pakistani people wearing argentinian jerseys and chanting and just screaming like that is of course everything is just so bad from a footballing perspective it can get even worse because there have been reports that have come out that was uh, stating that Qatar was bribing the Ecuadorian players a lot of money to make sure that they win 1-0. And from an integrity perspective, I absolutely hate it, dude. Like, I do not get why FIFA would give the World Cup to a nation who is never affiliated with FIFA in the past. Prior to 2012, when they announced that Qatar was going to host the FIFA World Cup, had you heard about the nation itself as a footballing nation? Of course, the country itself. But had you heard about the country from a footballing perspective? No, Lucas, I, I cannot name a single player on their national team. Same. And I and me and you follow this sport religiously. Yeah. You know, we talk about it every day. You and I text about it every day. I've, we've talked about players from Georgia 
on this podcast more than we've ever named a single player from Qatar. We talk about Miroslav Orsic, who doesn't even play in any of the big five leagues. He's in the Croatian league, and we talk about him too. So, you know, it's not as if we're not well-informed. It just, it just seems kind of ridiculous that all this stuff has gone through. And also, yeah, you, brought up, you brought up from a footballing perspective, right? Because Qatar has the World Cup, a lot of players who have dreamed to go to the World Cup aren't going to be able to go to the World Cup because of the fixture schedule, because of the injuries suffered right before. If the season ends for a lot of teams in mid-May, which it does, right, the first World Cup or the first European Championship or the Copa America, the first event doesn't really occur until June. So you have three weeks, essentially, to be able to work through whatever you need and to move forward. They just stopped playing club games last weekend. Yeah. Right? So so I mean, if you're if you're thinking about what's happening right now and the fact that they have zero turnaround, if Mane had three weeks to recover, I'm sure he would be able to at least play in some of the games in the group stages. You can say a lot about that about a lot of the players that are now gonna miss the World Cup. You know, the injuries that France and Argentina have suffered in training camp. Normally, there would be bumps that would occur in a normal training camp where it's a three-week period and they can get recovery and still make it. But instead now, you know, Argentina loses Los Celso. They lose Nico Rodriguez. And, yeah, they have the talent to back it up, but those players wanted to go to the World Cup on a more personal level. And now they miss out on potentially winning the World Cup when they're one of the favorites. Yeah. Because of the way the fixture is set up, I just think that that's total and utter nonsense. Uh, I 100% agree. I mean, you mentioned the players from Argentina, but you can go on and just literally, uh, I want to call out all the players that who are potentially going to go to the World Cup who literally had their spot secured, but they are not able to go to the World Cup because of this uh, fixture congestion. Not even from the World Cup. The World Cup caused this fixture congestion because typically right now there would still be Champions League games, but because of the World Cup, they had to cram everything within October and November. Like there was times where teams would be playing four games in 10 days, which is not enough time to be able to rotate properly or not enough time to be able to recover. So just going going off a list right now, you have Ben Chilwell and Reese James for England, two stud outside backs, who Reese James, I think, is one of the best right backs in the world, and he would have definitely given them a boost uh, in terms defensively and attacking-wise. France, as you mentioned, I mean, obviously you have Pogba and Conte, but I think the one that really stands out here is in Cuckoo, how he got injured in the training camp. He probably would have been able to recover uh, had it been an early injury in terms of if it was a Summer World Cup. But now they had to replace him. That And that would have been his first World Cup. He would have been able to set the stage. Him and Mbappe would have been a force to force to reckon with. They would have been fantastic. Then you have Germany with Marco Royce and Timo Werner. Werner got injured a few weeks back. Uh, but had it been the World Cup in summer, he would have been able to get back in, into there. And then, as you mentioned... You have Sadio Mane, who officially had to get surgery on his injury. And he is officially done for the World Cup. Mane is the guy for Senegal. 
without him, it's going to be very difficult for them to compete and go far. Yes, their group is lighter. They have Netherlands, they have Ecuador, they have Qatar. But in terms of going far, they needed Sadio Mane to be able to go and do that. But, dude, it really is just, it's sad. It really is just so, so sad. Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely. And and a lot of these nations, their perspective or their goals of going far in the World Cup have been shot dead because of these injuries, because of the fixture congestion, like you mentioned before. You know, Senegal was the best African team. I think you and I both kind of agree yes. on that, especially based on talent from top to bottom. They have world-class players, you know, at not every position, but with every position group. There's a player you can point at and you can be like, oh, this player can basically fit into any squad in the world. Well, now, you know, I don't see them even getting past the round of 16, and they were the best shot. And I think that a lot of the times here, I just feel the worst for that moment where, like, the players celebrate, and then they look around and they see that the people that they're celebrating with in the stadium in the final may not potentially be their people. Yeah. Could you imagine if you're... Lionel Messi, or if you're Neymar or Mbappe, and you're lifting the trophy, and you're going to the stands to the corner flag, right, to walk around with the flag, and you see that these people aren't the same as as the people you you know, right? They yeah. don't speak Portuguese or Spanish or French, and I know that this is kind of being, you know, a little dramatic because maybe fans would travel if their nation made it to the final and go see them there, but at the same time. The fact that I'm having this conversation with you, you're not looking at me like I'm ridiculous, shows that this is a legitimate thing that can happen. It 100% is a legitimate thing that can happen. I mean, fans, they're probably concerned about going to the World Cup in Qatar. I mean, Qatar is trying to get more people to visit uh, just on vacation. But, I mean, does anybody really want to go visit Qatar? If it wasn't for the World Cup, nobody would have thought about thought twice about going to Qatar. And I'm, I mean, this is not a knock at Qatar whatsoever. It's more so that there are other deserving nations that deserved all these fans to get the World Cup. FIFA bent over backwards to be sure that Qatar can host the World Cup. They were taking money. They were bribed. They built eight new stadiums that have caused thousands of deaths from these uh, slaves, essentially, quote-unquote slaves, that they built these stadiums from ground up. They had no stadium, absolutely nothing. They built them starting in 2012 once the World Cup was confirmed. And it's crazy that FIFA had bent over backwards, and now last week... There was an announcement that said, oh, we regret giving the World Cup to Qatar. It should have gone to the U.S. It's 12 years too late now. You should have done this 12 years ago instead of taking the money. And I like what the players are doing. I like what the coaches are doing. The coaches and the players are making a statement, which is really, really good. There's the Denmark team who have made a statement about uh, about all the issues that are going on in Qatar. They're trying to change their jersey, which FIFA are not allowing them to, to not include 
any logo. I'm not sure if you saw that, Nick, but to not include any logo. And it's to make a statement that we don't want to represent what this country does. We don't want to represent our country in this nation that we're playing in, which I absolutely love. And FIFA, they just want the money. They're like, no, you have to. So it's just ridiculous, but uh, you have to give a lot of credit to the players and the fans and uh, sorry, to the players and the coaches after everything has been going on. I don't know, man. It's we've got we've talked about this World Cup for actually two years now on this podcast, which is crazy that it's two days away now. But uh, the other thing I wanted to add before we, we kind of move on, we talk about the the players, the actual squads, if any of our takes have changed. Right. There's this one article that I saw a few hours ago that talked about don't download obligatory Qatar World Cup apps. EU European data authorities weren't football fans, right? And this is kind of similar to, to how uh, apps can essentially breach data, you know, tracking, GPS location, remote access and connect to Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, ability to override all other apps on the phone. You know, so I think that there, I mean, there's a reason why the officials in Qatar wanted to have the World Cup there. And I think that there is a lot of stuff that goes above our heads that we possibly do not know. And a lot of, you know, bribery that goes on that we have an idea that goes that it goes on. But we don't know to the extent of how far it reaches and, and who it affects. Right. I think that. I think that this is going to be probably the worst decision that FIFA's ever made. I don't even think that there's a second. I can't even think about a second no. right now. You know? Even when Bra- uh, Brazil hosted the World Cup and there was talks about the labor and the people passing away, that's just as tragic uh, as Qatar with their slave labor. But there's way, way worse things that are happening here. And it's going to be interesting to see how the World Cup covers this event in Qatar and how the officials in Qatar respond as well. Yeah, I mean, no, that actually brings up a good point on Brazil. But the thing with Brazil, it's a footballing nation. It's always a powerhouse, and they have the most passionate fans. So, like, I I don't knock FIFA for putting the World Cup in Brazil, whereas this, they were never going to think twice about Qatar hosting the World Cup. I agree. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think we covered off on everything. Honestly, it, like you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, and I didn't get to mention something about this, when that reporter was recorded saying, I have every right to record, we are a part of, uh, we are approved to record, and the security got up in his face, it's so scary for any reporter out there or anybody out there and they're doing something wrong or quote unquote, they think that they're doing something wrong. It's, it's actually ridiculous. And uh, I'm glad there's a clip out there to show that the Qatar security have not a clue what is going on. And it, I think it's just going to get worse and worse. A hundred percent. And you know, I'm excited to, to watch the events that unfold. I think I understand people not being able to watch, right, and choosing not to watch. I definitely understand it. It's something that I considered strongly. But ultimately, I just feel like, you know, part of it 
is influencing them, right? Going to the World Cup, commentating on the World Cup, getting paid to uh, to be a representative or to be an official representative like Beckham and Neville and Arsene uh, Wenger are. But I think, you know, if you decide not to watch it, I totally am for it. I support it. At the same time, for me, I kind of feel like at this point, it's already set in stone. What's done is done. And yeah. And as someone who's watching it from the TV and as a, just a regular, normal, everyday human being, what kind of impact can I have by just watching it, by choosing not to watch it? You know, it, it gets kind of dicey when it gets to that situation where you're, you're doing the minimal things here. Yeah. But you're, but you're just not sure of what's the right thing to do versus what's the wrong thing to do when you're far away from that situation, right? If it was something where I was offered to do something for Qatar, I would, of course, say no. And I wouldn't even think about it. You know, watching the games, though, is that something that's beneficial to Qatar? Is that something that that is going to market them? I think in this situation, potentially, it could be better to watch it because more eyes are going to be on what they're doing. And also, you're going to kind of figure out what's true and and what isn't true and you're going to learn more about a country you may never have heard of before or may have seen and and understood the dangers from a distance before but not really known until you watched it during this event yeah honestly all all great points i mean but going back to the actual footballing a lot has changed over the last uh few weeks since we did our analysis so uh, we talked about the injuries. We ran through some of the players that aren't going to the World Cup or they have a potential to not play in the World Cup. But let's just start up front. Nick, has your opinion changed since we last recorded or last talked about the World Cup? Yeah, so I picked Brazil to win. I actually still feel more confident about them winning yep. than I did before. Uh, I just think their squad matches up. I understand why Argentina has moved into kind of not clearly the favorites, but like almost co-favorites with Brazil. It's because their squad is very talented. They they're on an unbeaten run, right? So there's a lot of good things happening for them. What I would say to that though, is that Brazil from top to bottom is talented and is deeper than Argentina is. So if they were to play in the semifinal, which you and me talked about being a possibility when we talked about our preview of the World Cup about a month ago, I think that in terms of having an impact sub, having a formation change, the tactics that you can do as the game goes on, if Brazil and Argentina were to play, favors Brazil more, especially given Argentina's injuries, right? With Nico Gonzalez hurt, what ends up happening is they they don't really have a true left winger to play because the majority of the offensive players in Argentina are left-footed for whatever crazy reason. Yeah. It's just outrageous to me that they all happen to be left-footed. But it's true. So in terms of the balance, this is something that me and you talked about way, way before years ago, that Argentina lacks a lot of balance, a lot of right-footed players to complement their left-footed players. Their defense is actually really good on paper. They've improved, dude. And chemistry-wise, right? Lissandro Martinez, Christian Romero, Emmy Martinez. You know, when you have those three players in the center of your defense and as your goalkeepers, it really opens up 
for your, you know, your, your right and left backs, or if you choose to play a wingback formation throughout the game to really go forward because they're defensively solid. Yeah. And, and I think that those two teams are probably the two teams I'm looking at right now, honestly. Yeah. I agree with that. I think those two teams, I mean, it, nothing really has changed with me. When we last recorded the podcast, I actually did put money on Argentina to win. Uh, and at that time, it was plus 800. Now that those odds have gone down significantly to plus 550, I, I believe it is. They're, yeah. they're at the top near Brazil. I think Brazil's plus 500. But I 1,000% agree with you that Brazil, from top to bottom, they are a lot more talented than Argentina. With yeah. the thing that I'm riding on is that unbeaten run. That is a huge thing in football. When you look at Italy going into the Euros, they had their unbeaten run. And then they just went on to win the Euros. Uh, so for me, having that unbeaten run, having that confidence, and I, I think this tournament will make or break Argentina if Emmy Martinez performs well, yes. if he is on top of his game, I don't think I, I think it's going to be tough. Obviously, there's going to be Brazil, there's going to be uh, Germany, there's going to be France, uh, England, but I think they're going to be very difficult to beat because he is a fantastic goalkeeper. I think one of the most underrated goalkeepers, and he is improved so much in the last few years ever since he left Arsenal to go to Aston Villa and I can see him being the reason they win the World Cup this year yeah I agree with you and I think this is another thing that uh you can look at too I'm, I'm looking at the live odds but before I get into it I think Emmy Martinez historically has been a good goalkeeper but he's been kind of out of form this year and it'll be interesting to see how his club form takes into his international form. But he's very clearly their best goalkeeper by far, even if he's out of form. I mean, the goalkeeper that they have from Villarreal, he, he played really well in the Europa League final against Manchester United a couple of seasons ago. But he has this thing where he makes a totally out of the blue, irrational mistake out of nowhere. And that is why you cannot have anybody else other than Emmy Martinez starting this game. Yeah. So his form, you know, or him suffering an injury really just derails Argentina's chances. If Alisson goes down, yeah, Edison through, right. So, so, I mean, they have two of the five best goalkeepers in the world. And just telling you about these odds too, Lucas – so Brazil previously, when we did our podcast, was plus five hundred. They're now plus three twenty. Wow! To win the whole thing, plus three twenty to win the whole thing. That's crazy, dude. Dude, you get less odds, or you get better odds betting on like a one-off game than you do for Brazil of winning um, this World that, Cup. That's insane. Like I know going to Brazil, like you mentioned, they're stacked. One area that they are slim on is outside backs. Correct. Donny yep. Alves is literally their only outside back that is going to start for them unless they decide to go with the three center backs and then, I guess, 3-4-3. Three, three. But then they would need to have wingers who would be willing to defend. And I'm not sure if they have wingers who would be willing to defend because all of them just want to go attack, attack, attack. Uh, so that's where I can see Brazil 
not being at their best. But of course, uh, they're the top of the group at at the moment, and I don't see uh, any other team compare. And who knows, there could be a team, a sleeper, that'll just come through and just surprise us. Uh, in, in the past, it was Belgium. I don't think Belgium has it this year. They don't have the striker to be able to uh, get them far. Um, Eden Hazard's out of form. KDB is great, but they don't have the, the defenders either anymore. I think they lost their chance in 2018. But look at another sleeper, Netherlands. That team, I think they're going to surprise a lot of a lot of people. They are going to be a team to uh, go through. Like I, I, they're going to easily get through the group stage with Qatar, Ecuador, and Senegal, especially with Mane out. Easily, they have Van Dijk, the best uh, center back in the world. They have a fantastic midfield. I mean, they have Louis Van Gaal as a coach who knows how to coach this team. And really, I think this is a team to look out for. And I didn't mention it too much uh, during the last pot that we talked about the World Cup because at that time there was a lot of uncertainty. But now that we know the squad, the form that these players are in, this team is going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah, Argentina's unbeaten run is around uh, is a little bit over 30 matches, which is nuts. Brazil's is over 14 as well. Uh, the one thing I wanted to, to to talk to you about, especially your point about Danny Alves being the only player on the the right side to play. So they've had a lot of success. There's uh, they've been experimenting with some things with their lineups, right? So Militao has been playing right back for them a lot, and uh, I think that's the thought that he's going to start for them at right back. That Marquinhos is also going to be their central defender. So is uh, Thiago Silva and Alex Tellez. So I think that's what they're kind of looking at. For for them, if if they play Militao at right back, he can definitely do it. I think he's definitely talented enough and skillful enough. And also, you know, if you really think about it, when you're the right back, you're playing right-footed players. And if you're a central defender, it kind of benefits you to be more defensive against the other team's best attacking players. So that's that's how I think they're going to line up. Mm-hmm. And I also really like your point about the, the Netherlands, right? They're plus 1,400 to win the tournament. And we touched briefly about this on our World Cup preview but just the updated odds brazil 320 argentina 550 france 700 spain 800 which i don't understand at all england 800 as well germany 1200 netherlands 1400 portugal at 1500 belgium at 1700 and then there's a huge drop off and then denmark's at plus 2700 followed by several other huge drop offs your boys are favored at plus 9000 to win it uh, right, Switzerland to win the World Cup plus 9,000. Okay. I'll tell you right now, Lucas, I think the one thing that, and we can, we can move on from this, the one thing that Argentina has as a disadvantage over Brazil is that Switzerland is not in their group and is in Brazil's group. And historically, whoever has lost to Switzerland in the group stage has gone on to win the tournament. We saw it with Spain, you know, so it's, it's definitely possible that, Brazil loses to Switzerland and then goes on to, to win the World Cup. So if, if they lose to Switzerland, do not be deterred. Be encouraged. <laughs> Honestly, that makes a good point. But that'll be good for the odds. So people would think that Brazil's not going to win the World Cup. The odds yes. are going to shift. They're probably going to go plus 1,000. That's when you get in. You have to do that, those live bets. Um, no, that, that's actually so funny, dude. 
but yeah, like I have a question for you. And I, I was watching some podcasts or listening to some podcasts of these guys talking about which players they think are under the most pressure this World Cup uh, in okay. terms okay. of their reputation, in terms of what they impact that they can do. They had called out a couple of names specifically, but I wanted to hear your thoughts and then I'll let you know what they had mentioned. So I think that's such a great question and a good topic that they that they brought up. I feel like if you're looking at the most pressure, you have to think about the players whose last World Cup it is. So, so Messi and Ronaldo would be the two that I would say have a lot of pressure on their shoulders. Messi, from the perspective of this is easily, even though he went to the World Cup in 2014, easily the best shot that he's had talent-wise uh, to win. Mm-hmm. And then also from Ronaldo, his team is also talented. If they won it, I wouldn't be surprised. But it's from his career, the pressure on him to perform, to get that move that he wants away from Manchester United, especially... And we'll touch on this, I'm sure, when we get back from the World Cup break, especially because of his interview. As soon as the Premier League season had begun its intermission, his interview with Pierce Morgan releasing and all these different quotes. Clown, and articles. clown, clown, clown. He's a clown. We'll talk <laughs> about this afterwards. That, that was actually something I wanted to bring up. Okay, uh, we can talk about it. Let's go. But yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think for him to uh, to do that interview, right? Basically get a breach of contract, might get his contract terminated with Manchester United, and we'll touch on this later. And then if he was to go perform at the World Cup, right? And then go into the January transfer window as a free agent, he would get some suitors. Some teams would sign him, right? So I think I think it's different now talking about how poorly he's performed so far this season. And I, I will... As someone who has loved Ronaldo for almost his entire life, I will be one of the people to admit his season has been an utter disappointment. His performance and his behavior has been kind of annoying to watch. And, you know, he he's too he's too good to be doing stuff like this. I think mm-hmm. the people I think the people that are talking about his age, honestly, are a little bit over a little bit overblown. At the because the system doesn't fit what he he does, but at the same time, as a professional, you sh- and he's he's too good to be doing this kind of stuff, in my opinion, especially career wise. But uh, go ahead. What was, anyway. what was your answer to that question? What was their answer to the question? And then how are we going to transition to the next topic, which I know you want to talk about? Yeah, I can say so much about Ronaldo and that clown. Uh, <laughs> No, uh, the answer to the question that they had was obviously Messi and Ronaldo are going to be under the pressure because their yeah. last World Cup, uh, they're the two goats. Uh, there's a lot of people who, more so the older generation, who watch the Maradonas, who watch uh, the Peles, who say that these two are not two of the best of all time. And the reason for that is because they didn't win the World Cup. And so they know that this pressure is going to be on them. And it, But... Ronaldo and Messi don't have anything else to really prove. Other than this, yes. Other no, than- no, I'm saying, like, even if Messi doesn't win this World Cup, you'll still consider him one of the top three players of all time. Or Ronaldo doesn't win, the, doesn't win the World Cup, you'll still consider him one, that, one of the top, t- uh, like, five players of all time. Yeah, I would consider both of them. They're both in my top ten. 
They're both in my top 10. I'm not putting them. Uh, I have to make the list. We can make a list if you want. Yeah. Uh, uh, I would say they're both top five, given the credentials, the trophies that they've won from a club level. And now recently they've won international trophies as well. I think they're still both top five. Of course, they don't have the World Cup, which will take them to number one. But they're still top five. They still have that credential. Good. Oh, I was going to just ask you this one question. Uh, if Ronaldo wins the World Cup, ends up being the tournament top scorer, breaks the World the Cup all time. time. Okay. Okay. He's the best of all time. Okay. Easily. Has yeah, to. I would, and I would concede the same for Messi. If Messi, we're both on opposite sides of this, right? But if Messi was to to go on to win the World Cup, I would I would admit it. Like it's literally the only thing that they're both missing for me to put them as the best is that World Cup. You know, that's why I put Pele, I put Maradona ahead of him, I even put Zidane ahead of him, especially just because, you know, he's my favorite player of all time. But um, that's just kind of like where I where I'm at with them. They're definitely up there. They both need it, in my opinion. But but I agree with you. Their their legacy is set in stone, regardless of questions. It's not as if I'm going to look at this World Cup, no matter how poorly both of them perform, and be like, oh, they're not one of the you know, five, ten best players ever. Yep, yep. Now, a player that I'm going to mention is what who they mentioned was Neymar. Where do you see Neymar? Neymar was also going to be one of the names that I would I would uh, put up there, especially given the fact that he did not perform well in 2014 when Germany won it and they lost 7-1. Granted, he didn't play in that game. I don't believe he yeah. played in that game. Yeah. Neither did Thiago Silva. Um, but I think that the pressure was on him way more there because they were in Brazil. But his Brazil's team is the best team. They are the most fun to watch. They are the most well-rounded, the deepest team. And so I feel like because it doesn't feel like to me that Neymar stands above every other player in Brazil right now. It but just he does. He does. Without, Neymar, without Neymar, I don't think Brazil would go far because he is that center point. Yes. And right now, we know Neymar looks like he's in the shadow of everybody. With PSG, he's in the shadow of Mbappe and Messi. At Barcelona, he was in the shadow of Messi. But in Brazil, Brazil is Neymar. So yeah. I think this tournament, given that what we've seen in previous World Cups where it revolves around Neymar and what he can do, I think there's the most pressure on Neymar given how stacked the team is right now and the potential to elevate himself to that next level. And that's what these guys were saying, and I 100% agree, because he needs to take himself out of that shadow and be like, okay, I'm the guy. I'm not below Messi and Ronaldo. I'm yeah. with them. I, I definitely agree with your points. And when I said that uh, – you know, he's not the one that stands out. I didn't mean it like that. Name-wise, of course, he's the first first player you think of. But I just think the way that this team vibes together, Lucas, like they just it, – it, the tier for the, the players that are on this team, you know, Alisson, best, best, one of the five best goalkeepers in the world. Ederson, one of the five best goalkeepers in the world. You know, Militao in the top ten. Like for Argentina, their players are very good. And I don't – but – no one's sitting there and saying that Angel Di Maria, who starts for Argentina, is you know one of the best like right wingers in the world compared to Anthony. To me, they're just on a different level. So what I'm saying right now, they're on a different level. What I'm saying is really just that 
the the tier between Neymar and the players that are supporting Neymar is a lot closer than Messi and the players that are supporting Messi. Messi stands above Neymar in terms of the rankings, right? But Brazil's squad as a whole is higher than Argentina's squad. And therefore, when I think about that team in Brazil, I I feel like there's less pressure on him because there's more world-class players around him. And that's what I was saying. No, that's 100% fair. Um, I just wanted to get your, your opinion because I, I think it ha- it all comes down to these three players. Yes. Uh, and in my opinion, I don't think Ronaldo will go far no. just because there's going to be a lot of background noise of the uh, reports, the interview, everything that happened in the last four months. His form is out. And, I mean, this is how we transition into that interview. I, I don't think Ronaldo's in the right state of mind right now. And, 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 uh, what's it called Rooney had actually came out and said, father time catches us all. And Ronaldo has not accepted that father time is slowly starting to catch him because you can see it in the games. I'm not sure if you watch the United games, but you can see Ronaldo has lost a little bit of a step. Like it, he's, he's a little bit slower to get to the ball. He, he's not fully there when the defender is able to read him very easily. He's still able to contribute, but again, father time catches us all. And I guess this interview that came out this week, breached his contract, he's going to get terminated. I'm very happy about this because we don't have to pay him anymore. We're going to, the lawsuits going on. United is ecstatic about this. The reason for that is because he breached his contract. And because he breached his contract, they're able to say, oh, he breached his contract, we don't need to pay him. And I'm very thrilled about it. But going on to the interview itself, he made some valid points. Yep. There there were a few points specifically where he mentioned uh, the infrastructure of Manchester United hasn't changed over the, over the last 12 years, 15 years since he had been there. And that's true. The Glazers haven't done anything. He said he doesn't even talk to the Glazers which is true. They only care about marketing money. They don't talk to any of the players they designated to the directors. Both those are very true. He made very valid points about uh, United are not where they need to be, at which it is correct. United yeah. should be at the top. Always historically, they've been at the top. Um, where I really disagree with his points is calling out the coach. And it's because the coach, you can see there are strides being made. You see that he's made significant improvements in the team. And if the team performs well without Ronaldo, Ronaldo just doesn't like that he's not on the team and they're performing well. I think it's an ego thing. So I I just don't like the way of him going out and saying this interview without, why not go and talk to Ten Hag? Why not be like, hey, why did you try to get me on for three minutes? Why during uh, Tottenham did you do that? I, uh, Ronaldo, he, he agreed that he mistakenly uh, walked off the field. He shouldn't have done that. He regretted that. But again, a conversation goes a long way. And I mean, it was never Ten Hag that wanted to keep Ronaldo. It was always the board that wanted to keep him. Um, so, I mean, the whole interview itself, it's clowny, the fact that he did it now but we know the whole thing is a publicity stunt for him to get out of manchester united 
Yeah, I mean, he could have really, if if he was willing to give up the money, which it's he should have cared enough to to do that, right? He should have just asked for a termination, but to not be owed his salary, just become a free agent. I think United would have agreed with that for sure. Mm-hmm. It's because that he was looking for another club to sign, and other clubs were like, well, we have to pay a transfer fee to United and then take on your large salary, so it doesn't make sense. At that point, you know, he should have he should have been able to negotiate that, go for free, sign with Bayern because Bayern would have definitely paid him if he was a free agent or sign with Napoli, which would have been really sick. And imagine him being on this team, right? And they're just absolutely smashing it in Serie A. I think that he went about it the wrong way. He made a lot of great points in his interview. Uh, at the same time, you're absolutely right on how he treated Eric Ten Hag. I think Eric Ten Hag has done a great job so far because I view United squad as subpar. You know, I've I looked through the squad sheet and I kind of analyzed what they would need, and they're still about six or seven players away from getting to where they belong. And yes. so, and so, you know, for him to have United in the position where they're gonna have a chance to qualify for the Champions League is really good and. So what if they end up losing to Barcelona in the you know the knockout rounds of the Europa League? I think that's great for them. I think that benefits them in the fact that they could go far. But at the same time, he shouldn't have said that about him because honestly, you did this to yourself. You did this yeah, to by sitting out the entire summer where you could have trained, you could have gotten your legs underneath you, and maybe you wouldn't be having these issues that you're having with, you know staying in shape and being able to track and and basically not losing a step, right? That plays into it as well, Lucas. You know, getting that extra three, four weeks of training does so much more for you than anybody would really think. And I just think that everything that's happened this season is a total, total shame. And, you know, I feel for fans like you who idolized them and now just can't stand the guy. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, it's it's really just ridiculous the way that he did this. Um, but again, it's better for both parties that he leaves. United's going to be better. Uh, and then this gives us that opportunity to get a striker that we are in dire need for. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly, like, it's weird that he did it during right before the World Cup. Because now there's so much publicity in Portugal, and it's going to cause a lot of turmoil like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, do the Portuguese players still feel that Ronaldo's the right captain to lead them to a World Cup? I don't know how they truly feel. Yeah, I agree with that. I have one other thing that we I want to touch on. Just shout out to, uh, to Harry Kane for, despite the fact that he plays for shit and he also, you know, is a dirty player, but great player as, at the same time. That doesn't mean just because I hit him on the pitch and the team he plays for, it doesn't mean I can't recognize that he does a great thing. He's prepared to wear the One Love armband in Qatar, and England is prepared to be fined and to uh, essentially pay for whatever fines that they may get. This is going to be very interesting to see how much money Qatar decides to try to fine him for wearing (laughs) this or if it decides to try to fine him for wearing this. But And I know it's easy to kind of criticize it as like a throwaway gesture, uh, but at the same time, he's doing something that a lot of players aren't. So I think yeah. that players that decide to do that, you know, like the Danish national team, they should they should always just be commended for 
standing up when they may not necessarily be in a position to do so. And uh, I just wanted to highlight that. But with that being said, Lucas, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we conclude this pod? I mean, uh, we could talk about our bets, but like uh, there's so many games going on. So uh, let's just say that I did bet Qatar to get a penalty on Sunday because (laughs) given all this corruption that's going on, Qatar to get a penalty has better odds than Qatar to get uh, to win one nil, which is what the bribery is. Yeah. Plus eight fifty, I kind of like it. If if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, all right, that's fine. I'll but bet it in I all really the like stage it. matches. I'll bet it in all the group stage matches. It'll yeah. hit at least once. I promise. It'll hit. At it least really once. will. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, other than that, dude, we have soccer starting Sunday up until December eighteenth every single day my wife is gonna hate me since there's gonna be soccer on the tv all the time but it's gonna be incredible and i cannot wait get it i we said all this this negativity but at the end of the day it's still the world cup it's still going to be the most electric soccer tournament ever and hopefully all this negativity will just go away once the players kick that ball and i really just Hope everybody enjoys them techers out there. I agree. Just because it's played in a country that doesn't deserve it doesn't mean that it's a worldwide and an amazing event. You know, and, and that's something that's the joy about it. And I think that's why we're so upset that it ended up going to a country that can't handle it. And it's because we care about it. We love it. It's a huge part of our lives growing up. You know? uh, and At the end I, of the day, we got we to gotta cheer for the players. Agree. 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 We gotta cheer for the people that we're always rooting for as well. You know, I hope, I hope Denmark wins it. I hope they won't, but I want them to, and I want them to, uh, to win it because it'd be an amazing story. But at the same time, at the same time, we know how this will probably end. So what we'll do is we're gonna take a break next week, guys. Everyone listening, and we're going to come back after the group stages are done to talk about the knockout rounds and what teams are playing who and any shocking results that happen in the group stages, any additional injuries and how they can affect the club season. So you'll be hearing from us two weeks from now. We hope you guys enjoy the episode. We'll catch you in two weeks. Have a good one.